good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> it is a good morning, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's, it's a little bit chilly outside. Yeah, yeah I was like, it was white chilly. Like, I checked, it's two degrees. What? But, but you can, Jesus is still Lord, even in the winter, right? Yeah. yeah. Winter's. Winter's here, bro. I know what Yes. So turn in your Bibles to uh, Proverbs. Okay. Great book, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14. Book of wisdom. The book of wisdom. Yes. <laughs> no, you're really, really doing a good job. So Proverbs chapter 14, in verse 23. The Bible says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Yeah. Do we have any talkers in the house? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. yeah. I'm one of the talkers. I like to talk a lot. I sometimes call it preaching, but it's really just talking. Really <laughs> but here's the thing, is that talking doesn't change the world. Even preaching doesn't change the world if it doesn't change your heart. Mm. And I think this is the thing is that I don't want to just come here and just talk really loud. I want to come here, I want to work hard, and I want to change your life, and I want to change my life. That's why we're here. Now, you notice, it doesn't say all work produces a profit. Right? Because right? we, we work, right? We, we work, some of us harder than others. And sometimes we work, and we work, and we work, and nothing happens in our life. Yeah. We can get discouraged. Because it's like, man, like... I've been working like for two days and nothing changed. This, <laughs> right? Is that, yeah. is that, am I the only one that feels that way? Because here's the thing: you're not working hard. Mm. Wow. Come on. In the Hebrew, there isn't a, like a word for like work and then hard work. There's just one word. Oh. It says "etzeb," uh, and it translates as pain, hurt, toil, sorrow, labor, or hardship. Wow. <laughs> That's what this is. It's not hard work versus work. No, no. It's just the pain, yeah. the sorrow, the difficult hardship labor. Amen. And this is the thing is that we live in such a comfortable society, such a comfortable life, that we are so opposed to pain. Mm -hmm. We don't want physical pain. We don't want emotional pain. We don't want spiritual pain. And the scary thing is that sometimes when it happens in our life, we don't know how to cope with it. No. But the thing is, is that the pain has a purpose. This hard work, what it does is it helps us to get that profit, that thing that we want. Mm -hmm. And so the title of my lesson today is Get to Work. <laughs> get, to, get to Work. And it comes from uh, Los Angeles. And in, in the South region where I was at, there was a guy there, he's a disciple by the name of Lance Underhill. Does anyone in here know Lance? Yeah, yeah, you guys know Lance. Lance cranks. He's an incredible, awesome, awesome story that I don't have time to go into right now. But um, yeah, he, he owns his own painting business. And one of the things that he does, he, he employs disciples that need work. Wow. This is great. We were, I'm looking forward to today. We have some business owners here in the West region. And we can employ some disciples. That's awesome. And, but the thing is, is that a lot of these disciples are newly baptized. And they can't get a job anywhere else. So Lance gives them a job. But a lot of these brothers, they're like low character, unreliable, lazy, all these things. And so Lance, he has this, uh, he has this saying, he's like, get to work! <laughs> and that's like a catchphrase that he has. And he would say it to like the other single brothers. 
Uh, if, even if they didn't work for him, but they, they were like slapping and stuff, he'd be like, get to work, get to work, get to work. And then like, as a Southridge, it would just like, they would drag on, so it wouldn't be like, get to work, it'd be like, get to work, get to work, get to work. And it would just like, <laughs> And so it always makes me think of Lance, because think about Lance, he's an awesome, he's an incredibly hard worker. He was extremely successful in the world. Is that he had multiple properties, houses in Florida. He had boats and everything that he gave up for the kingdom. And this is the thing: is that if, if you're if you work hard and successful, like if you if you take a millionaire and take away all of his money, after a few years he'll be a millionaire again because he has a hardworking mindset. But if you take a homeless person and give them a million pounds, they will be homeless again. Wow, that's a fact. Right? Yeah. Wow. And this is the thing: is that. Guys like Lance are people that we need to imitate. We need to be like, man, this guy's awesome. He works hard. He gives thanks to uh, other disciples. And he sets an incredible example for us. So turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to be talking about hard work. So Chronicles is different from Kings because Kings focuses more on the kings of Israel and the northern kingdoms. Chronicles is more focused on the kings of Judah. So this is during the reign of King Jehoshaphat. <coughs> he was one of the kings. He was one of the good kings. And it says in chapter 20, you, you guys there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it says, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Mennonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It was already at Hezer Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So what we've got is we've got this king, and there's this coalition of other kingdoms that come together to raise this massive army, and they enter into Judah's territory. They cross over the Dead Sea, um, and they're, they're at En Gedi, which was one of, the, one of the towns in Judah, which was close to Jerusalem. So they're marching on Jerusalem to conquer this uh, kingdom, to, to plunder and pillage it. And it says that he was alarmed. Other translations say that he was afraid. Is that sometimes we have challenges in our life that make us afraid. And just be honest, just say, hey, I'm afraid. Like, I'm afraid of this challenge. I don't know what to do. This is the king. It's his job to know what to do. He's not allowed to be afraid, but he's like, I'm afraid. We've got to gather everyone together, and let's go petition God. He, he calls this this fast, and he tells everyone to pray. And he does this cranking prayer. He prays out to God. He pours out his heart. And in verse 14, it says, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Malathiah, the Levite, and the son of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge of the desert of Jeru. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Amen. This prophet, he says, don't worry. God's got this. Yeah. But he didn't say, don't worry, God's got this, when, he, when uh, Jehoshaphat was afraid. It was after Jehoshaphat prayed. Yeah. 
So my first point is this. Pray hard before you work hard. Wow. See, Jehovah has this massive army coming against him. And he could be thinking, okay, time to rally the troops. Let's get everyone, let's get our swords and our spears and our shields. Let's get our bows. Let's get everything ready to go fight this battle. He's like, no, we're not going to do this. First, we're going to pray. Before we get any shields or spears or weapons or army rays or anything like that, the first thing we need to do, we need to come to God and we need to pray. And this isn't normally how it happens. Normally, the kings like David and stuff like that would say, okay, God, what do we need to do? We're going to fight the battle. They fight the battle and they're victorious. But this time, with Jehoshaphat, God says, hey, hey, you're not even going to fight this battle. I got this. I'm God. Let me take care of this for you. And if we continue... It says uh, in verse 20, early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. Amen? We're getting out of the battle early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> it says, as I set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah, and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went about ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. So we gotta pray hard early in the morning. But this isn't just praying for the sake of praying. We're not just taking a box. It's to connect with God, it's to worship him, it's to praise him is that we, we don't need to be religious about it. You don't have to have this meticulous formula of what you do. No, no, it's about going, connecting with God. And I think one of the things that I like to do, if, if it feels a bit like I don't really know what to pray about, I just sing. I sing my favorite kingdom songs. It's great by myself in my little garden and everything. And it's usually early in the morning or late at night, so there's no one else around, so it doesn't really bother me. But it's great. And I think this is something for us is that if we're going to have better prayers, we need to have uh, more creative prayers. Yeah. Yeah. We need to pray in a way that fires us up. Yeah. Like, don't, don't pray like me. Is that as you are connecting with God, it's your relationship. you got to own it. And Joseph, he's saying, hey, this is how we're going to do it. We're, we're going to pray. We're going to do all of that. But he's leading the people in connecting with God with his own personal example. Mm-hmm. It says... In verse 22, as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So you see this, you've got these coalition of kings, so you've got two groups that decide to fight against the third group. And then after they kill the third group, then they fight against each other and kill each other. And they completely destroy themselves. It says, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Berica, where they praised the Lord. That's why it's called the Valley of Berica to this day. So, well, I think what can happen sometimes, we get this, this, this skewed perspective. We either feel like, okay, let's get our swords, our spears, let's just get everyone, let's go fight the battle. We're going to go fight the battle on our own strength. And we know how that works out. Yeah. Disaster. You get destroyed. 
But equally wrong is this idea that God's going to do it all for me. I'm going to pray really loud and really hard, and then God's going to do everything. And here's the thing is that some of us are not praying, and we need to pray. But some of us are praying. And that's great. That's awesome. And you're praying, God, send me someone that's open. God, help me to find someone I want to send the Bible with. God, help move this person's heart and does all these things. And then God actually does what we pray for. Yeah, yeah. God actually gives us the victory. Yeah. God sends that open person to us. God gives us that Bible study. But then what do we do with it? Because you see what happened here is that God destroyed them and left the plunder sitting on the ground. All they had to do was go over and pick it up and take it back with them. And this is the thing, is that God's like, okay, I wiped out the army, all the gold's right there, just pick it up and take it with you. But I'm not going to, like, magically teleport this gold into your houses. you got to actually go and do the work. Mm -hmm. And it was hard work. They worked all day, first day, all day, second day, all day, third day, moving, gold, precious items, equipment. That would have been difficult, back-breaking labor. And then what do they do on the fourth day? They decide, okay, let's not have church service. Let's go praise God. It's not time to rest. And I think this is the thing for us is that we got to pray hard and then we got to work hard. We got to pray to God for victory. And then when God gives us the victory, we got to go claim the spoils. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I want to challenge you guys. Uh, first, no, first before I challenge you, I got a story for you guys. Because we, we love stories, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was great. I went on a date with Rebecca last night. Uh, oh, dates are wow. great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was some good dates. I've been on some great dates. <laughs> so uh, we, we were talking last night, and she was asking me questions about growing up in Indonesia. And she was asking me these questions, and I was just, I talked, and 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 I talked pretty much the whole time. She's laughing because it's true. The waitress, she kept coming over, she's like, oh, are you done with that food? Are you done with that food? I was like, no, nope, still working on it. Are you done with that food? Then she came around, and she's like, wow, you're, you're, you're really taking your time with that food. I was like, yes, I am. I paid for it. Like, <laughs> I didn't actually say that. I just thought it. I would have been a little, a little rude. But I was like, leave me alone. I'm, this is, I'm eating here. I'm telling my wife some stories. <laughs> but um, you're not going to chase me out. Like, I don't care if you've got other people waiting for tables. <laughs> it's my table for now. <laughs> So I'm telling her these stories about Indonesia, and it helped me to think about like all the incredible things that's happened in my life, all the incredible things that God has done. And I remember when I was 17 years old, we left Indonesia, and my family went back to America for about six months. And then as I was going to be going into my final year of school, uh, there was what happened, it was during a time of what they called like a blackout. So a blackout was when the government refused to issue visas to anyone because it was a way of controlling who was coming in and out of the country. And so uh, if you had a visa already, you could come in and out of the country. But if you didn't have a visa, they weren't issuing any new visas. So this happened regularly, and people kind of knew the drills, like, okay, there's a blackout, you won't be able to get visas. And so they basically told my parents, look, you guaranteed will not get your visa for a six months minimum, and then even you can apply in six months, but you probably won't get it for a full year. And they, they came together, Okay, guys, here's the situation. There's a blackout. Don't know if we're going to get our visas. Don't know if we're going to be able to go back to Indonesia. And I was like, not having that. I was like, no, like, we're going to go to Indonesia. So I went and I went away and I prayed. And I said, God, send us back to Indonesia. I know you can do this. I know you can provide. You can open up the visa doors. You can do all of these things. So, sure enough, six weeks later, so they applied. 
Six weeks later, ta-da! They got their visas. I'm like, guys, guess what? We got our visas. We don't know how this happened. And I was like, I know how it happened. I prayed. <laughs> and this is crazy because I think about it. That was when I was 17. So that was 10 years ago. Wow. I wasn't even a disciple then. Wow. But I had faith and I believed that if I cried out to God and I prayed for God to move, he would do incredible things, yeah. impossible things that had never happened before. No one had ever been given visas during a blackout period in Indonesia, particularly on the island that we were at. And our family was the first ones. And I've never heard of anyone since then getting, getting visas during that time period. And this is the thing, is that when we pray hard to God, and then when we follow up that prayer with actual deeds, with our, when we match our deeds with our faith, God gives us incredible victories and incredible yeah. miracles. Yeah. And so, for, as I was, I was thinking about this, even this morning, I was like, man, I gotta share that. I gotta tell that story for, for church today. Because we forget. We forget the great things that God's done on our life. And we forget these miracles. Mm -hmm. And so my challenge, I want you guys to, to make a list, write down little strips of paper and you can put it in like a glass jar of like crazy, powerful miracles that God's done in your life. Like where you prayed for something to happen and God did it. Because it builds your faith, it builds my faith. Being like, wow, look at my life 10 years ago. Look at this incredible miracle that what I thought was impossible. And even just thinking about, look at the things that have happened over the last 10 years. So many things. Like, I'm fired up. I'm going to have that jar super stuck. A miracle that God's done in my life. Because it builds my faith. And it should build your faith, too. So, we, we, we know we're going to pray, right? We're all going to pray hard. We're going to cry out to God. We're going to sing songs. We're going to be joyful. And then we're going to work. Who's fired up to work? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, let's get practical. So, let's go to Proverbs chapter 6. Let's... Follow an example of who we should work like. Proverbs 6. In verse 6. Many of you will probably know the scripture. <laughs> probably been shared with you in a time. <laughs> Proverbs 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, you slugger. Consider its ways and be wise. There's no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Point number two, work hard and work smart. Yeah. <laughs> See, we look at the ant, and the ant is an incredible example of an animal that works hard and also works smart. And it's funny, I was talking with uh, Sabrina before this in the pre-service, and she said that uh, ants are one of the most studied animals in the world. That they study them for engineering and there's incredible biomechanics in an ant, in their legs and in their bodies and stuff that they use in applied uh, aerospace technology and different engineering things. Ants are incredible. And God said this all the way back in the Bible. He says, look at the ants. These ants are special. I remember my, my dad, we were on a road trip one time, a very, very long time. We were having this conversation and he told me, he says, Colby, you need two things to be successful in life. You need to work hard and you need to work smart. If you only do one of these, you will not be successful. You can work hard all day, every day, but you'll just stay in the same spot and you won't move forward. You'll do that same job for the rest of your life. And you can be smart. You can be the smartest person. You can come up with all these schemes and ideas, but if you don't have the hard work to back it up, you'll never go anywhere. You'll just be a dreamer. You'll be chasing these fantasies. You have to combine hard work with smart work. And he says, look at this ant. And it says, look at the ant, you slugger. You have to work hard. Stop being lazy. Consider its ways and be wise. 
Stop being stupid. Be smart. Don't make life harder than it needs to be. Work hard and work smart. It says, the ant has no commander, no overseer or ruler. One of the things that's powerful about ants is that they know their job and they do it. No one has to tell them. Like if you, if, if any, who, who here has had like ants invade their house before? Yeah. yeah. If you like cr crumble up a cookie on the floor, do you need to tell ants to go pick it up? Like no, they just know. Like you don't even know how they know, but they always know. So they always find out and they go and they swarm that and they, they go crazy. They're doing their job, collecting the food and stuff like that. And this is the thing for us is that we need to know our job. And we need to do our job with no one telling us. Yeah. See, ants, one of their strengths is in their simplicity. Mm -hmm. They just go, they work hard, they collect food, they build their little colonies, and then they plant, they have eggs, and then they build their colonies, and then they go for food. And that's it. Yeah. And I think for us is that we, we make life way more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. Let me help you out. This is, this is all you gotta do. Okay? Okay, Wake up. That's step number one. Some of us are struggling even with step number one. <laughs> Wake up. Pray. Yeah. Read the Bible. Yeah. Go to work. Yeah. Share your faith. Yeah. Do Bible studies. Yeah. Go to bed. Yeah. Do it again. Okay. That's it. Okay. Like that's it. That's all we have to do. It's so simple, but it's difficult to actually do it. Yeah, that's true. And I think the, the thing is, is that we got to get to a stage where you don't need anyone telling you to have quiet times. Where you don't need anyone to have prayers. Where you don't have anyone telling you to share your faith. we got to get to that stage where we're all self-motivated. Yeah. And this is, I'll be honest, this is not a strength of mine. I'm not someone that's naturally self-motivated. Is that I am someone that needs to have the slave driver over me, telling me to do this, do this, do this, do that. And it doesn't, it's not effective. It doesn't work. It doesn't really help me to be effective to have that profit in my life. And this is something I'm going after this year in 2019, is that being self-motivated. Yeah. Is that I do the right thing because it's the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing my job. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I do it because it's what I do. And I think that that's how we all got to get to. Yeah. Because the ant, what it says is, it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food in harvest. So what do we see about ants? Ants work all year long. They don't have like this, I work and then I stop work and then I work a little bit more and then I go on vacations. No, no, ants are always working. And ants do not look for instant gratification. As it says here, it stores, it says it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food in harvest. So it's like these are two seasons. So it does work in summer and it doesn't reap the benefits of that work until the harvest time. And then the harvest time, it gets ready for the summertime. And I think the problem with so many of us today is that we want instant gratification. Yeah. I share my faith with 10 people and none of them got back to me. Mm. I don't want to share my faith anymore. Yeah. No, no, that's not how it works. Mm. Like, we got to be constantly doing the work of the Lord, not looking for instant gratification, instant encouragement, instant results. No, no, just do the work Amen. and it will produce a harvest. Yeah. It will produce a harvest. There's, there's so much about ants. So ants are incredible. There's over 12,000 species of, of, of ants. I think the ants existed as far back as the dinosaurs. Wow. So ants have been on Earth as long as the dinosaurs have. Wow. 
The ants is there's over one trillion ants in the world. It makes up an estimate 15% of biodiversity in the entire world. So if you took all of the ants in the world, they would weigh more than all of the people in the world. You combine the weight of all the ants and the weight of all the people, ants, there's more ants. And I think there's so many, there's so many awesome types of ants. You've got the fire ants. So the fire ants are great. They, they, uh, they work together, and when it rains, they can connect to make like a raft. So they float instead of all drowning. By themselves, if they would get, they would get drowned by the water. But when they work together, they form a raft that floats and they survive. The fire, these same fire ants, they can even make bridges to cross, to cross over gaps. So they all connect and they make this little bridge and then they crawl over each other and they all work together. And so, one of the things about ants is that individually, they can lift 50 times their weight. You see what's really cool is so sometimes you'll see the little leaf cutter ants. They like get their jaws like... And you get this little tiny ant with this massive leaf carrying it for food and stuff like that. And if you think about it, what's that putting in perspective? So if you weigh 60 kilos, that would be able to lift 3,000 kilos. Three cars. That's how strong an ant is. They're incredible. But the thing is about ants is that their strength isn't what they can do individually, it's what they can do collectively. But you're never like dealing with like one ant. It's always like 500 ants. It's an army of ants and they all work together. And this is the thing you think about the fire ants, they all work together. They can make, uh, they can make a ball to roll on the jungle floor to travel like great distances of speed because they all work together. You think a little ant, if you're, if you're trying to crawl like two miles as an ant, that's a long journey. But you get together with all your friends, you make a little ball and you tumble along the way. Right? Don't work hard, work smart. Don't make life any harder than it needs to be. The ants understand this and this is why they're so effective with what they do. One of my favorite type of ants is the yellow crazy ant. Okay. <laughs> hey, I didn't call it. They call them crazy ants because they like walk like, like in a, like an irregular pattern. Like they don't walk straight. They like walk all over the place. And these crazy ants. <laughs> if, if you see them, like you always say, okay, I get where they got that name. They're yellow, and they don't really. They look like they're drunk. <laughs> they are. They're crazy ants. They're drunk ants. They're party ants. Whatever you want to call them. But they're they're definitely out there ants. Um, and these these ants they they they're they're very famous for being on a place called Christmas Island. So has anyone ever heard of Christmas Island before? So Christmas Island is a special place where they have all of these red crabs. And they had uh, like ten years ago, it was estimated about eighty million crabs. And if you go, you can see pictures of uh, the the streets are red with crabs. The entire island during the migration season, they just flood, and it's, it's like a river of crabs. And it's what the island is most famous for. And 10 years ago, there were 80 million crabs on the island. But now there's about 40 million crabs on the island. And the reason why is that the crabs go across the territory of these yellow crazy ants. And the yellow crazy ants attack and eat the crabs. And this is the thing, is that how do they do it? Because these crabs are huge, massive crabs. What they do is the ants, they crawl into the crabs and they spray this acid into their eyes to blind them. 
And then they spray acid into their joints and they crawl into the joints to prevent them from moving. And the crabs are like paralyzed and they end up dying of dehydration. And then the ants can take them. Wow. Really? It's, it's, it's brutally effective. Because if you think about it, like, how on earth would these ants have any chance of being able to kill these crabs? They would, one ant has no chance against a crab. But you get a hundred ants all working together, they take down this crowd that's like way, way, way bigger than them. And they're so effective at it that there's like an international effort about trying to study how to stop these ants from killing all of these crabs. That's how effective they are at doing their job. Wow. And this is the thing when I think about ants, like we need to be like the ants. Sometimes we have these massive challenges in our life that we never think that we could overcome. And the truth is that we never would really be able to overcome these by ourselves. But if we can think smart like ants and work together as a group, we can overcome these challenges. Any challenge. And I think about this as that like, uh, we know what we're supposed to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, there's no mystery about like making disciples. It's very clear. But why do we not do it? We don't do it because we're in sin. Because we're not inspired, because we don't want to do the work, because we feel discouraged and things like that. And I think this is, for, for me, I can really relate this to, like, the gym. So, uh, I've been going to the gym. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. New year, time to get fit, everything, I love it, yeah, I right. <laughs> And the thing is that I know I'm supposed to go to the gym. I know what to do at the gym, but I don't go to the gym. I didn't last year. And the reason why is I wasn't inspired. I don't want to wake up early. I don't want to do this. It's like it's just no fun. And so I feel like, okay, I gotta change things up. I gotta, I gotta be creative. I gotta, I gotta work smart. Because I didn't like take spending a long time. I needed a lot of time in the morning, like 45 minutes to an hour. And I said, like, that's just too much time. Yeah. So okay, how can I make it quicker, more efficient? And so I thought, okay, let me try out these classes. So they got classes in the morning. And the classes are like half an hour to like 45 minutes. I was like, okay, that'll be better. It'll be less time, and I can go, I'll be with a group of people, it'll be more motivating. And so I went, and it was fun. I'm gonna say, I love the classes. The classes like fire me up. And this last week, I went like five days. I went Monday through Friday. I was five up to the gym. And I was excited, I looked forward to it. And the reason why is that I was thinking smart. I was working smart and working hard. You go to these classes, you're dead. Half an hour left the camp. Like, you're shuffling, you're throwing the sandbags, you're throwing this medicine balls over your head, you're climbing up the stairs. It's intense. And it makes it easy, it's encouraging. And what I did was I planned out, I sat down and I planned out my entire week. And I said, okay, so Monday is going to be boot camp. It starts at 7.30. Okay, so I got to have my right time at this time, I got to pray at this time, I got to do this. Okay, Tuesday is the shred class. That starts at 8 o'clock, so I do this. Okay. Wednesday, back to boot camp. Okay, Thursday is a spin class. Friday is a shred class. And then Saturday, maybe I'll go to like the, the yoga class or something like that. Take it <laughs> but I, but I'm, I'm excited. I've got a plan. I've got something to look forward to. And I think the same thing with, uh, with like evangelism and stuff. This last week I've been on UCL with people like Tommy Well and Dom and Luke and other people like that. And I've been encouraged. I've been excited. It's like, yeah, great. We get to go share our faith together, go with Luke. And I'm excited because I'm working together, I'm working smart, and I'm also working hard. And I think for us, what we need to do is we need to be like the ant. Because some of us, we work hard just for the sake of working hard, and we're not really effective. And some of us are discouraged, so we don't want to work hard. 
we have to be smart. We have to come up with a schedule, something that fires us up to be able to do the work of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And so my challenge for you guys is be like the ant. Work smart. Work hard. Come up with a schedule this week. Plan out your life. It will make you feel so much better when you can look to it and you can go, okay, I wake up at this time, I read, I pray, I go to work, I go to work from this time to this time, and then I'm this, uh, on Mondays at 6.30, I'm going to go sharing with Tosin, Chris, and Haven. And you can look forward to it all day long. And then Tuesday, okay, we're going to go to Westfield with Anna, Jada, and Shade. Oh, it's awesome. And you come together, you talk about your quiet time, what you learned that morning, say a little prayer, go share, come back, good news. And then you go home and you do it again the next day. Yeah. Fired up. It's simple. It's not hard. Yeah. But if, if we come up with this plan, this strategy, it will really help inspire us yeah. to really to be able to, to do the work and to be a little worker and. Yeah. And so I think this is, this is exciting. I feel excited about this. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, in the classes, so the classes are mostly women. Like, oftentimes I'm like the only guy, I'm like, I don't care. It's like, I'm married, I'm not interested in any of you guys, I just want to lift my weights and stuff like that. <laughs> but sometimes it's convicting because, like, I was doing my shred class and I was doing the squats, and I looked over to the side, and there's this little tiny, tiny woman lifting more weight than I was. And I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm out of shape, I suck. Uh. <laughs> And we would do like certain exercises that I don't normally do and target certain muscle groups and I'm like weak. And these other girls, like we would go for like a lap and the girls are like running past me and stuff. I was like, okay, good for you, good for you. I'm here at least. <laughs> but this is the thing is that going and once you start working hard, you realize how hard you weren't working before. That's the thing. And I think now that I've been going to the gym, I was like, whoa. This is a wake-up call. Like, I really gotta get healthy. I gotta be disciplined. I gotta work hard. I gotta get stronger, because now I see how strong I'm not. And I think for us is that, I think as a church, we're a little bit numb to our lack of evangelism. And it's not gonna be until we start actually working, we're like, whoa, we gotta take things to the next level. Yeah. We gotta really go after it. And it helps us have a sober estimate of ourselves and where we're really at. Yeah. But then you feel good about it. You're like, okay, well, this is where I'm at. This is where I wanna be. And you have a goal to work towards. That's encouraging. You can see progress. Even in the space of like two or three weeks, I already can see myself getting stronger in the, in the gym classes. Yeah. And I can see the progress. It's inspiring. And the same thing with you guys. If you guys go day after day, evangelism, pray, read, share, follow up, all the things, you guys will see progress. Mm -hmm. And it will be encouraging. And it will lift you guys up. And it will be super inspiring. And it will be great for the church. Yeah. So it's time for us to get to work.